those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi. We are back. It's the Serie A sit-down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Crivello. Welcome to our preview della Madonina. That's right. Uh, this podcast, we're going to have you geared up for the 2017-2018 Serie A season. Uh, let me get right to it and bring in my co-host, uh, the heartbeat of the Serie A sit-down, fellow Milanisti Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. Sweet words by you. Yeah, you know <laughs> that uh, that that island league where it rains a lot. I guess it didn't rain this weekend. It just doesn't do it for me. I can't wait till the uh, Serie A starts next weekend. How about you? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, I've been waiting all summer long. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's, it's definitely going to be an exciting one. Certainly, uh, <clears throat> you know, if the if the summer was any indication, I think we're in for something. So, um, for those of you that are just you know getting into Serie A. Uh, or, uh, or taking an interest in Syria. Thank you for choosing us. Uh, we hope to be as comprehensive as possible and give you everything that you need to know uh, ahead of the 2017-2018 Syria season. And uh, this is going to be a roundtable discussion, and uh, we are very proud uh, of the guests that we've lined up. They've all been past guests on the Syria sit-down, and we're glad that they've agreed to join us uh, to help us get through uh, what to expect for the upcoming season. Uh, ladies first. Uh, she is making her second appearance uh, on the Serie A sit-down. She runs the footballing website for the counterpress.wordpress.com. Uh, she's a contributor to the Football Pink, Gentleman Ultra, and the Boot Room, among others. We say ciao to Laura Bradburn. Hi, Laura. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. Oh, great to have you back. Uh, and things are good with you? Yeah, all good. Long summer. Looking forward to getting back into the football like everybody else, I think. Yeah, the weekends just don't seem the same without a little football. I know you guys, it's it's afternoons and evenings for you guys. For us, it's it's waking up early in the morning to uh, to catch a match. So, uh, you know, all seems to have some sort of, it's, it's normal again. So, so mm-hmm. uh, glad to have you with us, Laura. Um, our uh, second guest is making his unprecedented fourth appearance. Uh, his website is semprebody.weebly.com. We say ciao to Mark Neal. Ciao. That's it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm too excited. I'm lost for words. Yeah. Fourth time. <laughs> it's an absolute honor to well, be here. You are, the, you are the trailblazer among our, among our guests. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we're, we're, glad to have you, we're glad to have you back, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, last but not least, uh, he is actually completing his hat trick of appearances. He's that, he's that uh, striker that scores in the fifth minute and then the eighth minute, and now here in the 88th minute, he's getting that hat trick finally after a, after a flurry of chances. But uh, he's the co-editor of Gentleman Ultra, staff writer for Football Whispers, and he is also... Uh, previously submitted content for 442, you max it among uh, other uh, sites and publications. Uh, we say ciao to Blair Newman. Blair, how are you? It's been a while. Hi, Frank. It has, but I'm delighted to be back, mate. Thanks for having me on. Oh, not a problem. Great to great to have you all on. Uh, so, uh, Syria. Would you guys all agree Syria has uh, has a lot to live up to after 2016, 2017? Don't you think? For that day, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot to live up to from the summer alone. Yeah, from the summer alone. But I mean, let's just kind of do a quick revisit of what happened in 2016, 2017. I mean, the title race itself was taken all the way to match week 37. I mean, the five of us all said before the season, Juventus has this thing won already when they added Gonzalo Iguain and Milan Pjanic. Uh, but Roma pushed them. Um, their record point total, obviously, getting to 87 points. Francesco Totti's retirement 
turned out to be a retirement at the end of the season. We weren't sure if that was going to be the case. Uh, Serie A being the highest scoring of all uh, major European leagues on a per-game basis. I mean, when could you ever say that about Serie A? Uh, you know, certainly couldn't say that 20 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, the incredible escape, escape by Crotone. And uh, hopefully uh, our, our, our listeners had gotten a glimpse of uh, Richard's uh, delivered uh, Crotone jersey uh, with uh, uh, Diego Falcinelli's number 11 uh, on the back. So um, go and check Richard's uh, Twitter page. Uh, he has that he has that displayed quite proudly. He said that he would buy uh, a Crotone jersey if they survived, and he lived up to his word. Now, did you take that jersey and go to Crotone to try out to be their center forward, Richard? Because I don't think Falcinelli's going back there. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to take him. I'm, I'm leaving on vacation in a couple of weeks, so uh, we'll try and get a, a trial there. Okay, <laughs> so... We'll just have to see. Uh, we'll just have to see what uh, you know how, how that goes about. So, uh, but uh, magical escape for them to reach the second season, and certainly we'll talk about the newly promoted teams this season and who might have uh, the best chance to stay up. Um, so, 2016-2017 had plenty of storylines. We're excited about what's going to happen in the 2017-2018 season. A World Cup year. Uh, teams are spending. Uh, everybody wants to challenge Juventus, um, you know, but in the summer of 2017, the clear storyline was AC Milan's presence in the transfer market. Let's just call it that splashing out over 200 million euros in return, uh, hauling an impressive collection of talent, including, uh, Leonardo Benucci coming over from Juventus, which Richard and I, uh, did a globe podcast for WFI breaking that down. Um, before we got into, or before we get into our round table preview, um, I, I'm, I've got a challenging question for everyone here. Uh, you know, obviously the story of the summer is AC Milan's Mercato, uh, and they're still not done. Uh, if you if you listen to sources and if you listen to Marco Fassoni and Max Mirabelli, but I'm going to ask each of you, and we'll go with Laura first. You know, what to you has been an interesting storyline story of the summer? You know, Milan's Mercato aside, uh, what caught your attention this summer that? Uh, you know, that could have some that could have a little bit of weight on the upcoming season. Well, I'm not sure about the weight on the upcoming season and I'm aware that I'm sitting on the Serie A um, sit down podcast and how it might not relate to Serie A particularly, but I don't really see how we can uh, let the summer stories pass without talking about Antonio Casano and the whole Hellas Verona transfer that was that wasn't saga. I mean Jeez, yeah. for, for anybody who didn't hear about it, um the information that was given out was that he um basically signed uh in July for the club, having not, I don't think, had a regular club for about two years. Then eight days later announced his retirement, only to then reverse the decision later the same day and then reverse it again uh, six days after that. So for anybody who's confused by what I've just said, he's basically retired as of now, but uh, wasn't and then was at various points over sort of like a two or three week period. And uh, as with Antonio Cassano, things are never straightforward, but I just thought it was the craziest story I think I've ever heard in football, never mind just Italian football, but that was definitely something that caught my attention this summer. Didn't some footage emerge of him in a training session where they were just doing some sort of running and he was just way behind everyone? Is that, yeah, they're, 
<laughs> the fans were mocking him. And the fans were mocking him. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I, that's a good one. That's a good shot because I was actually, when, when they said that, you know, Hellas Verona signed Cassano, they had him, Pazzini, uh, Alessio Cerci is going to be over there. Uh, I thought, hey, that's going to be, you know, kind of interesting to watch. Number one, just, you know, what they might be able to do on the pitch. Number two, uh, you know, be a fly on the wall in that dressing room with, uh, with those three personalities uh, <laughs> to see how, um, you know, to see how that would go. So, yeah, I'd like, I, to, be, I'd like to be a fly in the wall in, in his house because apparently he blamed his wife for some confusion over exactly what the story was because I think she had uh, made her opinion known on whether or not he should continue playing and uh, he then came out and contradicted her at various points. So I'd like to be a fly in the wall at the dining room table in the Casano household as well. <laughs> <laughs> I actually follow his wife on Instagram and she put some uh, video up of him before he'd actually signed for Verona doing some, I would say running, but that'd be really sort of loose <laughs> description. <laughs> he looked woeful. I think I tweeted something up as well. that Some of the videos I'd seen that she'd put up there, obviously trying to, because she's a little bit of his mouthpiece, if you want, for a better of a word. Mm-hmm. And, Man, there's no way on this earth he would he would be fit for top level football. No way. It's <laughs> crazy. And uh, Mark, uh, you know, keep keep it rolling. Uh, you know, set aside Milan's Mercato. Uh, what was most interesting to you this summer? Well, it's, it's got slight relevance on Milan's Mercato, but only the the fact of the dynamic that came out of the Juventus dressing room after the Champions League final. Obviously, Benucci and Alves decided. To, to depart, but the, the, the stories of the frictions between Allegri and Benucci and the whole dynamic of how the dressing room seems to be changing. And I don't think that they are now what they were. I think there's, there's, there's something going on in the background there and just following that story through the summer. Obviously, Juventus has lost his PSG in Milan's game, but I'm not too sure Allegri's got a full hold on that that, that changing room at, at the time. And obviously, uh, the alleged spat at the half-time of the Champions League seems to have repercussions on this season as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of stories going on about that. And there was even, you know, Mario Mandzukic, I think... Uh, he was reported to have said some things about what happened in that dressing room. And then he went to Twitter and said, I never said any of that. And, uh, you know, we're used to Juventus, you know, keeping the noise in the dressing room and not letting it spill out. So it's a lot of, you know, a lot of very interesting things. There was, you know, Bonucci and Danny Alves got in a fight or Bonucci was going after Dybala because after Dybala got his yellow card early in the game, he played soft, you know, for the, you know, for the balance of that first half and, Donny Alves stepped in and tried to stand up for Dybala. There was just there was there was a number of different, uh, <laughs> you know, sides of this uh, of this story. Yeah, uh, but uh, it, I mean, Danny Alves, Danny Alves himself as a character didn't seem to fit the Juventus. Uh, what do you want for for, for the? The way they are, their players tend to be a little bit understated. Where Danny Alves come in, you know, he's he's a loud, brass character. That 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 whole, I mean, obviously they they didn't pay anything for him, so you know that was a good signing at the time. But you know, and then then there was the the thing where Alves said about um, Dybala needed to leave Juventus to become a better player, and 
that that just seemed to run on from from the whole thing of of you know the last game of the of their season. So yeah, that that was quite interesting to me, and that'll be interesting to see how Allegri deals with it, even after tonight's Super Copa. There was an yeah. argument between himself and Chiellini on the sideline. So yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's that's a, a very interesting dynamic. What would you make? What did you make of Alves getting out and saying that Allegri didn't know how to use him? Because I mean, when you watch Juventus's game and you watch him, you know, flourish, especially in those knockout rounds in the Champions League. How is the manager supposed to use him? <laughs> I think you just say you're on that side of the pitch get on with it you know yeah. i mean you can't say i mean the game against i think it was monaco i mean he, he absolutely blitzed him so whether that was stuff he decided to do himself or whether that was allegri's instructions i'm not too sure but you know that's <laughs> i think there's a strong su- suspicion on my part that that that's exactly what the case is he's maybe coming out and saying that allegri didn't know how to use him and that's precisely what he has done is then gone and use that strong character of his, as you mentioned, on the pitch as well and just kind of went with what he knows works for him. Whether And I would strongly suspect that Allegri hasn't maybe had as, as big an input into the way he's played as he has himself and maybe that in itself has caused a bit of friction between them that's caused him not to stay on. So it'll be interesting to see if he does the same in Paris. Um, I suspect it'll be the case. Mm. Mm. It's... Uh... You know, now they uh, now they have Matteo Decilio. <laughs> we, we we blew we blew <laughs> kisses to Matteo Decilio as he as he left Casamilan. Go. Decilio was in fine form today on the game winning goal for Lazio. <laughs> what was it? Uh, it's the running video. It's like his first his first action in Juventus was the preseason game. Oh gosh, was it the PSG game or the Barcelona game? And he gets the ball and he's trying to play an early cross and it's just way off <laughs> it just sails like into the third row uh on the left hand side and i think there was enough of milan twitter just saying juve fans we feel your pain <laughs> well jordan lukaku today used the on the game winning goal i mean completely torched him i mean milan fans are like now oh thank goodness he's not on the team we can uh, cheer for this yeah. <laughs> and the fact juventus actually paid 12 million euros for him as well i mean if you take that into account they got rid of the and got Bonucci for 28 million <laughs> But Sony, yeah, exactly. But Sony had to smoke a cigarette after that deal. He had to. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Blair, let's bring you in on this. Uh, you know, I, Milan fan like Richard and myself, uh, the Mercato has obviously, you know, meant their Mercato and, and what they've done and who they brought in has meant a lot to you. But, uh, you know, what else did you catch this summer that uh, might be of interest to the Serie A fan? Well, I thought Napoli were pretty quiet over the summer, but sometimes I think no change is, is a good thing in a way. And, uh, yeah. The fact that they kept hold of all of their best players is is sort of it's gone under the radar a little bit. But Koulibaly's still a Napoli player. Hamsik's obviously still there. Insigne and Mertens are still there. Um, you know, Diawara is still there. Gulam somehow is still there as well. And um, you know, Milan and, and you know Milan have brought in a lot of new players and they spent a lot of money. Juve had changed up a little bit with Bernadeschi and, and Douglas Costa coming in and Bonucci leaving. Inter changed their manager. Romo changed. The, the, the manager, head coach and, and sporting director. But Napoli have got the same people in place as they had last season and then they've added a few sort of younger players in as they do every summer and I think that they, that, that sort of consistency could sort of pay off this season. Uh, I, you know, I like that Napoli is just going with continuity as well. I agree with you there. 
uh, especially uh, especially going forward. If you scored 94 goals the previous season, mm-hmm. don't change anything. Uh, <laughs> don't lose anybody. We can all line up and slap whoever reported here in the last day or two uh, that uh, that uh, Liverpool is going to target Lorenzo Insigne. Uh, and we've got a lot of Liverpool people at WFI. Um, they even know that that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, come on. yeah, it's just... Uh, uh, that was uh, somebody put that out there, and I said, "Come on, <laughs> why am I even? I got to go clean my eyes after looking at that." Um, but <laughs> do you, you know, Blair, do you feel there's still? Uh, to me, I've always, you know, and the thing that I've said in my in my blog is that there's still a center back, um, and and especially a goalkeeper away from really putting a challenge on Juventus. Uh, do you feel that way? Well, yeah, I think that's fair. I think they need a, a long term replacement for Reina, um, especially. I think it's centre back. They've got they've still got Maximovic and Tonelli as well. Um, yep. Tonelli spent a lot of last season out injured, and Maximovic had a bit of a nightmare debut season, didn't he? But I think he was really good at Torino, and and, and Tonelli was really good at Empoli. So I've got faith that they can, or one of them can, or both of them somehow can sort of replace Albiol and do a decent job. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I think they could just stick with the players they've got. But yeah, Reina, I think they need a, a long term replacement for sure. Sure, absolutely, and. Uh... You know, we'll we'll see how they will they how they get on if they still add one before the uh, uh, the window slams sh- shut. I know there were some whispers, you know, in previous weeks about Ger- Geronimo uh, Rui, who spent his time at Real Sociedad in Spain last season, owned by Manchester City. Uh, you know that that story's kind of gone quiet, but you know, you never know. Um, Richard, how about you? I had some interesting stories from our from our guests here. What uh, you know, what caught your attention here in the that uh, you got a good Kievo story for us from the summer? Uh, actually, I met Robert. No, I didn't. No, I don't have a story for them. Uh, three things, you know, stuck out, stood out for me. Kind of like Laura was saying, the whole Cassano drama, you know, going back and forth. You were just like, what the heck's going on? You think Berlusconi was directing this, this play or something? Um, but another thing that, that kind of doesn't relate to Serie A, but end, it end up ultimately does, is, you know, Neymar going over to PSG for $200 million. The inflation market now is just ridiculous how much these players are going for. Yeah, everyone was talking about Milan spending over 200 million euros, and then PSG are willing to spend 400 million euros this this summer. Um, every you know, I mean, players like someone like Jordan Henderson, who's not for sale, but if he was, he'd probably go for 50 million right now. It's it's so stupid how much players are going for who don't deserve it. I mean, Milan got a a, a deal with you know 40 million for for Leonardo Bonucci. Um, so it just from here on out, I see this market's going to be. It's going to be crazy, and you have to spend a lot of money. All these TV deals are going to end up helping people draw people in just because it's going to be ludicrous, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but the third story, which does relate back to Serie A, is you know, we talked about last year when Atalanta made Europa League that they're going to have to, you know, we know they're going to lose a bunch of players, but they're going to have to spend some money because, you know, as Sassuolo found out last season, if you don't, you know, get more players, you're going to get run ragged through all these games. You're going to have to play with all these different tournaments. Atalanta, they were buyers this summer, which I was so happy to see because obviously yeah. they're they're taking this seriously. They they saw what Sassuolo didn't do and realized they got to do a little bit more than they did, and and they went out and bought some nice players like Martin Derun. Um, they got Luca Vido was a nice deal. They got, they got Joseph Ilicic. So I mean, Atalanta did very well this summer. I thought uh, Timothy Castagne from uh, from yep. Hank uh, yep. has uh, Europa League experience. That's a nice get. That's a nice uh, you know he's not it, obviously rate Andrea Conti higher than Castagna, but Castagna is at least going to be serviceable. Um, and they'll have Ricardo Orsolini also from Juventus on loan. Exactly. Yeah, they have done some sneaky good business. I definitely agree with you there. Um, I mean, think, 
I think Illich for less than five million euros was an absolute exactly. steal. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that sums up Florentine and what it does at Atlanta. But yeah, yeah. You know, for me, the um, I've been I had been saying for for many many months, and, and I'll even eat, I'll, I'll actually start to eat a little crow here now. Um, I thought this uh, I thought Sassuolo would blow up. Um, you know, De Francesco was going to leave for a new gig. He did went to Roma, yeah, but yeah. the only departures of note really are Lorenzo Pellegrini and Gregoire Defrel. There's still yep. some decent players there. Berardi's there. They own Falcinelli. I have not heard anything about Falcinelli leaving. Um, it's you know, I don't know if you guys have heard anything you know as far as that concerned. So I think he's in Sassuolo's camp at the moment. And considering what he meant to Crotone last season. You know, they may hang on to him. You've got experience in goal with Concilia. You've got, uh, you know, still Acerbi playing back there. So, you know, the pieces are there for them to have an improved season. And, um, you know, I don't think that they're going to be at, an, at a Europa League level again. Uh, but, you know, I was deeply concerned for this team as, as last season ended, thinking this is going to be one of those teams that you're just going to see the mass exodus. So I've had uh, Sassuolo pretty uh, low in my predictions here on the Calcio Consultant blog, uh, and I think in my last edition I had him 16th. I'm going to be doing my uh, final predictions for the season. I've been changing them based on uh, how the teams have done in the transfer market or at least how their squad makeup is going to be. And, you know, with only Pellegrini and Defrel being the only departures, uh, they'll be moving up. So, uh, so we had the uh, Antonio Cassano drama. We had uh, the drama with Juventus in the dressing room in the Champions League final. Napoli being quiet, but maybe a good thing uh, in the transfer window. Atalanta sneaky good, Mercato and Sassuolo uh, hanging on to some of their key players. Uh, go to at Syria sit down on Twitter or Instagram uh, and uh, give us your take on what you liked about the summer or what uh, got your attention this summer. Let's uh, just jump right into it and get into our 2017-2018 season preview. Ah, oh, the transition music is back, Richard. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not dressed. I'm not dressed for that kind of music. I just, I never, you know. But I, it's a good thing that uh, it's a good thing they only take our voices and we don't do video of this. So. Yeah, no one wants to see us dancing. No, <laughs> not at all. My wife can Mark, vouch for that. Mark, Laura, Blair, are you guys dancers at all? or <laughs> No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only after copious amounts of alcohol. After... <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that. <laughs> yeah, you speak, you, speak, you speak for all of us, my friend. Uh, so, all right, so we put a bow on the summer. Let's uh, jump into the season preview. We put together a little Q&A that we'll all, uh, we'll all take a whack at. And uh, to start this preview, let's start at the very top. And it's the six-time defending champion, Juventus. Uh, they're gearing up for seven in a row. Uh, Leonardo Benucci and Dani Alves were very vital uh, to their domestic double success last season. And both were key uh, in their run to the Champions League final. Uh, Bonucci is now with Milan, as we mentioned, uh, and Danny Alves has terminated his contract, joining Paris Saint-Germain for free. The old lady did bring in Douglas Costa and Federico Bernardeschi to reinforce the attack. So let's open with the champions. Uh, your thoughts on their prospects this season, Mark? Are they better than last season? Uh, are they the same? Are they worse? Has the window for the Champions League success passed? Uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you run with this first. Um, definitely not better than they were last season. Obviously losing them two key defenders 
has weakened him severely on, on on one of the best back threes, back fours in European football last year. Um, I think this is the season that the cycle ends, to be fair. Um, this 4-2-3-1 worries me. Um, can Pjanic and Kidera dominate a midfield? In the Champions League, I very much doubt it. Douglas Costa and Bernadeschi in the attack, inconsistent. Yep. Bernadeschi, and I mean, Douglas Costa was on the bench for most of the games for Bayern Munich for a 33 and a 34-year-old Robin and Ribery. Still world-class players, but, you know, that says something to me. And Bernadeschi had some good games for Fiorentina. Um, but not on a consistent basis. Um, I, I wouldn't call them panic boys. I think they've been bought for this four-two-three-one. But as things stand, I would say that um, I think they might come. Their reign as champions will come to an end this season. And Blair, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Uh, you know, do you agree with that? Are they? Uh, is this the year they're going to get knocked off? And then also, you know. Uh, does it surprise you that Juventus hasn't done much here to reinforce that midfield, especially with that Champions League final when uh, Kadira and Pjanic were played off the park by that midfield trio of Real Madrid? Yeah, I mean, I think the point Mark makes is a good one about having the two-man midfield of Pjanic and Kadira, especially in the Champions League um, against teams that have got the same sort of level of individuals. I don't think they're going to be... Um, quite as dominant. Not, but it's not really the midfield that, that, that worries me in that respect. I think you know, the, the midfield hasn't really changed too much from last season. What I think is, is a major issue is obviously Bonucci going away, which means that they're probably going to have to play um, a back four. If, if they do play a back three, it's going to feature Bozzali and Chiellini, who are both you know, well on the wrong side of 30, and probably Medi Benaccia. Um It might be time for Daniele Rugani to step up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm not massively convinced by by the business they've done. Usually they get it right in the summer and you go into the new season and you're thinking, well, Juve are going to do it again, aren't they? And it's pretty boring. But right now they've given me a lot of hope because Bernadeschi and Douglas Costa, I think, are, are, are very good players. But I just don't see you know, how they both play together. I don't know how they fit them in with Dybala. I think, like Mark says, it's going to be 4-2-3-1 and it's going to be probably Bernadeschi or Cuadrado, uh, Costa and Dybala behind Higuain. But it's really, really open. So... I think they're going to be more vulnerable than they were last season, certainly. I think they'll be more open with, with that system and those players and they'll Benucci at the back and an ageing back line that's another year older. Um, and also the, the Champions League final defeat must have had some sort of impact on them mentally. You know, how, how long will it take them to really sort of move on from that moment where, you know, the second Champions League final in a few years, that, that was their moment. Everybody thought it, I thought it, and they blew it. So this is a massive, a massive season for them. I have got a feeling... Um, that the, the, the cycle will end as well, actually. Um, probably more hopeful this season than I have been for a while. I know that sounds slightly biased, but let's face it, we want some sort of you know competition here. We want some sort of break-up of the, of the established order. And um, I think this could be the season where it happens. Richard, uh, Blair, the excellent point, especially on the, uh, the, let's call it the Champions League hangover. You know, Richard, uh, maybe speak about that a little bit. Will that weigh on things? And then you know, let's talk about Max Allegri. Uh, you know, he, he got Milan to a certain height, but couldn't get them any higher. And it and it seems like he got them to that height, and then they just started to subsequently, you know, fall and fall and fall and fall. Do you do you see that parallel here with Juventus? Uh, 
And with Allegri? It sure starting to look like that, especially if you're watching today's uh, Supercoppa Italia fi- uh, finals. You know, that little little argument with uh, Chiellini at the end of the game, it was, it was very reminiscent of the end of the Milan days. Um, is there a hangover? I mean, it's clearly evident. You know, Lazio nearly played him off the pitch if it wasn't for two lucky plays that got him back in the game. Um, it, w- it would have been a blowout finals, you know, 2-3-0. Um, so I think there is a hangover. They're gonna get. They're gonna right the ship. I don't think they're better than last year. They're not quite the same. But losing Benucci, Benucci is a, a key cog. He's one of the best defenders in the world, and you lose him, that's gonna hurt your team. You know, yes, Douglas Costa and Bernadeschi signings were nice, uh, but they're gonna be hurt. They're slightly worse off than they were last year, which is gonna be good for Syria in general because Roma and Napoli and even Milan, maybe even Inter, have a chance now at dethroning them. And it's, this is probably the best year for that dethroning. With all those factors playing in, um, the hangover is going to, I think, creep in for the bigger games because people are going to start questioning Allegri's tactics. Uh, can he get it right? You know, last year, even even I was guilty of praising him. He's a genius tactician. Um, and then you look at the finals, and they just imploded at halftime for whatever reason. Um, you have your you have your different stories that you hear, but ultimately they blew the game. Um, and this year, the season hasn't started out that well. I mean, there are going to be the critics that say, well, look, last year they lost a, they lost the Supercopa final against Milan, so they ended up winning the season, so it was fine. But, yeah, I think this season, though, you can tell something's off with this team. I mean, all everyone said it so far. It's just it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. Maybe it's just a culmination of everything together. Uh, but this team is not the same Juve that we saw in, in the last six years. So... Uh, this season will definitely be wide open, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Laura, what do you think about this Juventus team? I mean, uh, are, 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 are you in agreement with everybody here so far? And then uh, Paulo Dybala getting the number 10, which is a significant um, uh, tribute uh, to a player when you consider uh, the players in the past that have worn the number 10 at Juventus. Is Dybala ready for that responsibility? And what do you think of Juventus overall coming into this season? Uh, just to focus on the Dybala issue initially, I think I was uh, asked a similar question the last time I was on about, you know, where he was in terms of superstar status, and he definitely made a ways last season towards, um, you know, becoming one of the top players in the world. He, he was part of a very strong Juventus team and played a key role at various points throughout um their Champions League run. He um. It just looks like he's making that next step. I I think he's got the right temperament about him from what I've seen of him to to you know thrive with the the pressure that comes with the number ten shirt. You know the last ho- high really high profile number ten I can think of, and I might be showing my age uh, is Del Piero for them, and I think mm. I think yeah. he's certainly able to to. Well, nobody can maybe match Del Piero, but he's certainly able to provide a high enough standard that I think he'll definitely live up to the reputation of the shirt. Um, Looking at Juventus as a whole, I think I can't disagree with anybody else here. Um, I do think that they are weaker than they have been um, for a few years. I I think think they would have struggled to be stronger than last season, to be fair. but when you're talking about losing players of the quality of Bonucci and Alves and, as we said earlier, replacing it with somebody of the standing of somebody like Mattia De Siglio, then 
you know, you can't really argue that you're any better um, than you were the previous season. I think um, uh, Bernardeschi's got a chance to be probably fit in quite well to the team, I think, from what, what I know of him and from what I've seen uh, of the Juventus team in the past. Um, but Douglas Costa, I think... I think uh, FC Bayern fans were kind of rubbing their hands together when he left because I think they think they've kind of sold Juventus a dud and uh, I can't disagree. I think he has flashes of brilliance, but again, as Mark said, consistency is a major issue with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Richard, you wanted to jump in? Yeah, you know, you know, this number 10 for Dybala is a big deal. And I don't know, I, I, I for one, I'm not sure if he's ready for that. Because if you look at last season, at home, he was brilliant. He was, yep. you know, one of the best players in Serie A when Juventus were at home. But on the road, he seemed to, like, disappear. Um, and to wear that number 10 jersey for Juventus, you have to be the best home and away, especially away, because that's when it's the hardest. Um, and I want to see if he can step up to do it. I hope he can do it for Juventus' sake, but... Last year, I mean, with, with the performances he had and didn't have, especially in the finals of uh, the Champions League, I'm, I, you know, I don't know if he can live up to that. I mean, like I said, for Juventus fans, I hope he can because he needs to step up his game away. But at home, he was one of the best Serie A players, bar none. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Yeah, we, 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 we harped on that a lot uh, towards the end of last season. You kind of take a look at, you know, where his goal, you know, if, if, you, if you got to play at the Juventus Stadium every game or, or whatever they're calling it now, um, <laughs> he he'd he'd be right up there for the Ballon d'Or, um, but you know it's the, the 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 away matches and the neutral neutral matches. Something something goes wrong if he just likes to go out and see the city late at night, or <laughs> uh, you know, or, or or what. And I'm you know I don't know the guy personally, so uh, you know I, I I can't speak about those sorts of things. But I just look at it like you know I'm I'm thinking of Alessandro Del Piero and Roberto Baggio and Michel Platini, and and those are legends, you know. Those are world-class legends. This is a huge responsibility uh, to heap on a young man who, you know, who is uh, he, he he has shown his talent, but is he really there yet? So it's uh, you know, is there a, probably, is there an argument is there an argument there then that there's maybe a little bit too much uh, investment in the chart? Does it really matter that much? Because I mean, you're talking about uh, Baggio and Platini who were the best players in their generations um, two of the best players that have ever played the game no matter what number they would have worn it would have been hard to live up to their reputation so I think yes he's finding it difficult but he might find it difficult to, to live up to the reputation of players of that kind but if he didn't think he could do it he wouldn't be at a club like Juventus and I think I yeah, think he, yeah. might, he might thrive on it and fair to say we might have also been saying this about Del Piero all those years ago too um, yeah. you know, when he was just coming onto the scene, they gave him that number 10 at a really young age. So we'll see. I mean, I'm with all of you guys. I think that they've, they've, they're going to have a little bit of a regression this season. Um, this almost might seem like 2015 to 2016 where it's going to be, you know, if they win the title, if they, if they make it seven in a row, they will struggle, you know, the first several match weeks, uh, and they'll have issues getting points because it's a, there's a little bit of a reacclimation going on and, uh, you know, <laughs> that 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 was the season after they lost Pirlo, uh, they lost Tevez, they lost they lost Vidal. So, um, getting that team together and then rallying and what I look at when I think of this team is Gianluigi Buffon is still there. You know, Chiellini might have had a spat with with Allegri, but he's still you know he's still a veteran presence in that in that dressing room. I have a hard time messing with a streak of six titles in a row, but I also look at the other teams. 
I, I think that they're weaker than last season, but I think that they're still the favorites to, you know, to win this type. So, um, so let's speak about those uh, uh, title contenders because, you know, Serie A, I mean, last season we learned it's, it's not just about Juventus either. Um, you know, we spoke about Milan and, and all the additions that they've made. Ten new signings uh, of over $200 million. Uh, Napoli really didn't make a lot of significant additions, but everybody's back from a team that scored 94 goals last season. Uh, Roma has made some nice reinforcements, and Inter uh, look like they're going to make this a little interesting. So let's ask the question, and I'll start with you, Blair. If it's not Juventus this season, who do you think it'll be? Well, for me, I think Napoli um, are, are the best place out of the, 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 you know, the chase and pack to challenge um, this season. I think, that, I mean, one of the one of the main reasons is because of the young players they've got coming through. I think if you look at Amadou Diawara and Piotr Zielinski, and you know, these are players that you would expect to to push on and get to another level this season. I would also argue that they've got Milik. I mean, they'll probably. I think they could score even more goals somehow because they've got Milik back now for a full season and he's fully fit. Hopefully, so that's a big um, that's a big bonus as well. So I would say Napoli are, are the best place. They've got a very clear identity on the pitch. They they've got the same coach, the same sporting director, the same players, and they've added a few younger ones in there as well, like Unas from from Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. They brought in Mario Rui as a backup left back who was very good at Empoli under Sarri. So. I think they're really well placed to to push on. I mean, they've been the most consistent challengers of the last two seasons. I think if you looked at the average points from the last two seasons, Napoli would be the second team behind Juve because they challenged them pretty pretty well in, in 15, 16, and then sort of fell off a little bit last year, but still nearly came back into it later on in the season. So I think they are uh, they're perhaps the, the the team that nobody's really talking about with Milan and Inter spending and Roma spending, but I think Napoli are, are the best placed team to challenge. I'm with you. I actually think that Napoli are uh, the the closest rival to Juventus for the title. And, and I say this as a Milan fan with all the spending. I think that there's going to be a grace period with them, uh, you know, getting all of those players to uh, mm-hmm. to be able to play together. And you, you're going to have to expect some dropping of points that are going to maybe prohibit them from uh, winning the Scudetto at the end of the season. So I, I like Napoli, too. I like the continuity of their team. Here's what I also like, Blair. You didn't refer to Milik as a new, like, like he's a new signing. That's my biggest pet peeve. When a guy comes back from a long-term injury and he's fit and ready to start the new season, these men, he's like a new signing. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not a new signing. He got hurt last season. He's back. I didn't say that about Bonaventura. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's just one of the it's just one of those little quirky pet peeves. I'm glad you didn't. I, I'm glad you didn't say that Arkady Shmulek is like a new signing. But I'm I I'm in agreement with you. I think. think it. Yeah, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. I think I think Napoli's the closest to Juventus, uh, you know, you know, going into the season. So, yeah, crazy things happen, but I mean, just they're so dynamic and they're and and, and they're a fun watch. You would love to see mm-hmm. some sort of silverware to go, um, you know, to go with uh, to go with all that quality. It just hopefully not at the expense of Milan, but that's my own bias. <laughs> so, uh, Richard, if it's not Juventus, who is it going to be? Who, um, you know. Yes, Roma had a fantastic season last year. You know, they had record points for a second-place team. Um, but they got a new manager now, and I'm not so sure how Di Francesco is going to do. I, I mean, he could do fantastic there. Uh, what Roma has done, what Monchi has done, has been brilliant this summer. Um, you know, they lost Rudiger and, and Salah, but they, they picked up a lot of good players, including Lorenzo Pellegrini. I'm not, gonna, I'm not sure about them yet. Milan, like you said, there's going to be a grace period. 
Uh, for me too, I'm with with you guys about Napoli. I mean, it's like they have a new player with Milik because he wasn't there last year, you know. No, no, you had to do it, didn't you? I did. Um, no, no, Napoli. You're lucky. You're lucky. You're a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you wouldn't know, get a call back. <laughs> Napoli, <laughs> Napoli didn't lose anybody, which is big. You know, everyone was everyone thought the big three was going to disappear, um, but they kept everybody, and they got you know they got. They have the. They already have the chemistry that the other teams don't have. You know, Roma and Milan both have to learn some chemistry. Inter as well. Um, Juve are on a little bit of decline. Whether they're, you know, they're still going to be up there in the race. But I think this is Napoli's year for sure. Uh, with all the goals they scored last year, they can only improve on that. And Maximovic with another year. Tonelli with another year. Uh, one of those guys that are going to be able to partner up Koulibaly, who's I think is poised to have a, a for end to end you know fantastic year like he had a little bit of a drop off you know towards the fall and winter and then picked it back up after the africa cup of nations so i think you know napoli if they can just keep you know keep those head games away from themselves they they tend to lose silly games sometimes and games they shouldn't lose or draw so if they can keep it together you know sari is one of the best managers in the world and i love the way they play football i mean it's the most one of the most entertaining teams in the world to watch so um for my money napoli is the one who's going to lift the crown this year Okay. Okay. So you you're 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 calling them out as cha- you're calling them champions. I am. Okay. Right. Be, be it known, August thirteenth. We'll get into our top four and all that other stuff a little bit later on here uh, in the podcast. But Richard is saying it. Napoli will be champions. You're gonna make you're making James McGee very happy. <laughs> we're gonna have to get him on a we're gonna have to get him on a pod so he can sing your praises. Uh, <laughs> Laura, if it's uh, if it's not Juventus, who do you think it'll be? Uh, well, given how Richard's just been nailed with a Napoli for the Scudetto uh, prediction, I'm going to have to preface what I'm going to say with the fact that we were asked, so if Juventus doesn't win, I think Juventus will win it. But if they don't, I think Milan, although it's obvious to say it because of the amount of spending they've done, and there is going to be, need to be a lot of gelling done with those players, I do see them mounting a serious challenge this year. I think, um, although on paper they've spent an awful lot of money and people could jump to the conclusion that they've just splurged all this new cash everywhere, they have actually bought some quite considered purchases and, and bought really well. And Bonucci, they've arguably bought probably the best player in his position in the world at the moment. Um, Kessie and Conte were two of the hottest properties in Europe. Um, and Andre Silva, although he's had a bit of a hard time in preseason for some of his performances, I don't think that's really got any bearing on what's going to happen throughout the season. I think he could potentially come good for them, and uh, certainly, if he's uh, evidence that his previous clubs didn't to go by, he does know where the net is, and that's something Milan definitely need. The other thing to remember is Montella really was building something even special towards the end of last season. He, he, he was making the team come good with players of a lot less talent and a lot less ability than the ones he's got going forward. So if he can if he can build that momentum, if he can keep the team going forward, and if he can get those new players to really gel, um, he's got something really special in his hands that I think really could push UV for the title. Um I might live to regret it six, eight weeks into the season, but that remains to be seen, and I'm I'm going to stick my head out and say that. I, I'm I'm looking forward to what Montella is going to do with this with this squad. When you consider, you know, squads that he's had to work with, uh, you know, through the years, and and especially to your point, Milan last season, maximizing, um, 
you know, what he had to work with. You know, we talked about it last season, a watered down team and he got him to a Europa League qualifying place, so, which is pretty impressive. So yeah, uh, I'm with you very, and obviously I'm with you as a Milan fan, <laughs> very <laughs> eager, very eager to see what he's going to, what he's going to do with this, uh, with this, uh, roster. Uh, and Mark, uh, let's round it off with you. If it's, if it's not going to be Juventus, who do you like? Uh, Napoli. There's, Watching them, and I know everyone says preseason don't count for nothing, but they've just picked up where they left off last season. They just look so fluid, and I think we we done the stat last year on one of the pods where they made the most crosses of a team in Serie A. Now yep. with Milik back from his injury, they've got a plan B. I was a bit concerned. I saw some rumours today that he's a little bit unsettled. There's a, a rumor of a loan move to, I think it was Marseille. But if he stays, and like everybody else has said, with the additions, you know, obviously the goalkeepers and the iffy situation, the back four I'm not too concerned about. I think Albiol and Koulibaly complement each other really well, and Koulibaly looks back to his best in some of the games I've seen this preseason. So for me, that's, that's the Napoli are the only serious contenders I'm with Milan I'm a little bit concerned if they buy another top class striker then that could sway but as things stand for me as as Napoli and still some names that uh, that Milan are linked to but as of now we can't uh, you know we can't you know we got to go with what the the teams look like now so yeah um, but yeah I you know so yeah I mean a, a shot for Milan which is reasonable but Napoli because just they they they're established. They're going to be able to go right from the right from the starting gate. So uh, it'll be very interesting. Like I said, I'm I, I'm in agreement with with those on the Napoli side. I think that they're the biggest threat to Juventus. And I'm not I'm, I'm not going to give who I think who I'm picking for my champion. We'll do that toward the end here. So, uh, <laughs> but Napoli have a really good chance this season. Um, and moving on, uh, you know, we're talking about we we talked about a couple of top teams there, Napoli and Milan. Um, you know. Each season, a team finishes relatively high, and then, you know, they're in for a disappointment. You know, last season it was Sassuolo, uh, you know, sixth in the uh, 2015-2016 season. Uh, victim to injuries, too many fixtures, and he threw in the Europa League. Um, uh, the six, You know, the sixth-place season before just ended up being a bridge too far to try to match in 2016-2017. Uh, there will be a team uh, whose fans are let down and are longing for the magic of a, of a season ago. Um you know, so looking at the top half of the previous season's table, uh, Richard, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, who do you think is going to make the biggest drop from that group? Um, sad to say, I think it's going to be Lazio, actually. Uh, with the teams around them, what they've done this summer, I see them all doing positive things. And really, Napoli losing Bilia, Bilia is, a, is, a big, is a big person to lose. Um, yes, he's essential to defend. I mean, uh, midfielder but he's 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 instrumental to that team the link between the defense and the attack um and i, I love i love the, what they're doing over there in lazio but i just think they can't sustain that you know they didn't pick up enough players uh and progress enough in the market for me to stay where they were stay where they are um you know if if fiorentina happened to lose you know, Kalinich to a, another team, they could be on, on the drop, sorry, Laura, but I, for right now, I'm just going to say Lazio because I don't know if, if they're going to be able to match what they did last season, especially with the teams around them. Yeah, and obviously coming off of a, 
<laughs> winning the Supercopa here today over Juventus, but still, it's you know the difference between just a one-off and then you know having 38 weeks. I mean, it's it, it's not saying much when you're trying to build on a uh, Europa League finish. Um, it's not saying much when you're trying to build on a Europa League finish, and uh, your uh, your biggest signing is Lucas Leva from Liverpool. Um, so. Um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I see those concerns as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see. I think Lazio's a, a very interesting shout. Uh, Laura, uh, who in that, uh, who in that top half finish last season do you think uh, makes a big drop? Uh, maybe a controversial one. People might even find it a bit of a ridiculous one to say, but I actually don't. Uh, I don't have a good feeling about Roma in the season coming up. Um, yeah. Only mm-hmm. because uh, I think we've touched on a couple of the points earlier. They've obviously lost Spalletti, who, for all his faults, I think is an excellent manager. Um, they have ro- lost Rudiger and Salah, who played a big part in the team last season. And although they have made some good signings, I don't know that they're necessarily of the quality that they would want to push on for the title. Um, and I think the other thing that I think Richard uh, commented on earlier was um, De Francesco. Although he's a he's a good manager and he's shown that at Sassuolo, they didn't have a brilliant season last season. And looking at his um his track record in terms of the clubs he's managed, he's definitely not managed anywhere the size or sc- scope of Roma. Um, they're a famously political club behind the scenes. Whether he'll be able to manage that as well as um getting the team to play well on the pitch, um, is something that remains to be seen. And I think he might struggle with that. Um, we've seen plenty of good Roma sides suffer in the past from not having strong enough leadership. So if he isn't able to provide that, um, that could prove to be disastrous for them. Whether it means they'll drop further than anybody else, I'm not sure. But certainly I, I, I do have concerns for them this season. Mm. I mean, as a, I mean, they've lost Rudiger, they lost Mohamed Salah. You know, Mark, uh, I caught you on Twitter uh, saying that Aiden Jekyll is really going to struggle without Mohamed Salah. I agree with you. Are you going Roma in this direction, or do you have another team in mind? No, it's Roma. Um, obviously, for the departures, Rudiger and Salah. I watched their friendly tonight. Admittedly, that was against Celta Vigo. And admittedly, they start the first half with most of their second string out. They got thumped 4-1, and... Francesco basically came out and said after the game tactically they were inept and I'm thinking well you're the coach that set the tactics up yes they've made some shrewd buys but I would say they're shrewd buys for a a mid table trying to break into the top six I don't think they're Roma quality obviously Strootman and Angelang there yes they've they've done well to keep hold of them but yeah, I think they'll be lucky if they hit a, a, a Europa League spot this season. To be honest with you, mm, that's an that's an interesting shout. Um, I, I think they've I think they've kept it glued together. Um, I don't, you know, they're they're not. The thing is, is that eighty seven points last season, which is a season which, which is a record for them, um, and and with the distraction of Francesco Totti, and we have said it many times, it was a distraction. Um, you know, the job that yeah, Luciano yeah. Spalletti did, it was a, you know, really, uh, Luciano Spalletti was my manager of the season last season. Um, and, you know, to Mark and Laura's point, new manager, 
you know, a change of players. We don't know if Monolos is going to be a Roma player after the after the transfer window closes. That's another thing that you that, that's open for speculation. Um, all, the, the combination of all of those things, you definitely have to uh, expect some regression. So, you know, I good points here from Laura and Richard as far as as Roma maybe making the big drop. Blair, are, are you with them? Are you with Richard on Lazio or are you going in a different direction? Well, I sort of wavered between choosing Roma and Fiorentina for this one because I think um, I'm sort of quite glad that, that, that Mark and Laura have gone with Roma as well because it sort of validates my, my feeling a little bit that a lot of the um, the signings that they've made this summer really don't strike me as the sort of signings that are going to take them onto a new level, and that's what they need. And um, I think the point's been made uh, to me on Twitter that you know Monkey was brought in specifically with the remit of you know being uh, someone who can balance the books and, and and wheel and deal a little bit as he did at Sevilla. But I think if that's what they've gone for, that's fine. But if Roma seriously do want to to challenge Juventus and maybe take advantage of the fact that Juve aren't looking very strong they've gone completely the wrong way about it because the players they brought in as Mark says I don't think they're even necessarily sort of I mean some of them have gone alongs from Lyon and Moreno from PSV I think are respectable players but they're not any better than what Rome already have so you know what's the point of signing them you know and they've got rid of Salah as well which which he brought up as well which is a massive loss because him and Jekyll I think was the best or one of the best partnerships in yeah. terms of goal scorer and goal provider in Serie A last season so losing Salah is a big deal you know, he was a massive part of why Dzeko ended up refinding his scoring, his scoring form. So uh, that, that's a major loss for them. So I can see Roma falling from, I mean, they were second last season. I can see them falling to at least fifth, um, maybe even lower. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, you, you, you referenced Fiorentina. They just brought in uh, Marco Benassi from Torino for $9 million. Uh, Useful player, young player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jordan Veretout. uh Okay, technically he's moving from Aston Villa, but he was part of that part of that Aston Villa disaster. <laughs> two seasons, so. He was reasonable though last season playing with Son Etienne in in, in in Ligue 1. I mean, he wasn't anything spectacular. He didn't light the world on fire, but yeah, these aren't th- those aren't inspiring signings as far as Fiorentina is concerned. But uh, listening to our panel, everybody, there's going to be a lot of anguish in the capital city here in the upcoming Serie A season, and I'm going to agree with them. And but I'm going to be on Richard's side. I think Lazio is going to be right for the fall. Um, I think that there'll be a little bit of I, – I get the new job, new responsibilities, uh, a step up here for Eusebio Di Francesco. The, the new signings aren't the most flattering. But I'm going to kind of go you know, the opposite direction of, of, of Napoli. Okay, Napoli is as you were, keeping their team together. Lazio is pretty much kind of in that same vein, but a lot easier to find out in my opinion. Um, you know, Chiro Immobile certainly had a, uh, you know, a renewed sense of confidence, but, you know, you know, Keita Balde is still being flirted with, you know, as possibly going to another club before this window shuts. You know, there was a story about Milinkovic Savic, the event is maybe not this season, but next season. You know, as this season goes on, Lazio seemed to me like the kind of team that, you know, where are some of these guys' heads going to be uh, as the season goes on? Are they, are they, are they going to be committed to this? Is Simone Inzaghi going to get found out? Uh, is his tactics going to get found out, the way he does things? So... Uh, you know, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll agree. I'll, I'll go on Richard's side here and I'll say, I think, I think Lazio make the biggest ball here. I think they fail to make a European place. Um, in my opinion, I don't, I, I think Roma's going to have some regression, but I don't think, uh, to the magnitude that Lazio is. So, um, you know, so, but yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement that, um, 
the capital city is not going to be a very friendly place uh, <laughs> if you if you want to go hang out with Roma or Lazio Ultras. Would you guys agree? Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the next question, Sassuolo, Atalanta, and now uh, a trend of Cinderella stories each season in Serie A and the teams that I mentioned being the previous two. Uh, already talked about Sassuolo finishing sixth two seasons ago. Atalanta with that incredible fourth place finish last season. Uh, so somebody is coming out of nowhere these last couple seasons to snatch uh, a European place from the standard collection of teams that are usually expected to finish there, usually those top six or seven that are always vying for those places. You know, So let's look at that middle of the table, maybe even a little further down. Uh, and Laura, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, what team out of that group do you like to, uh, to maybe step up and, and uh, be in position for one of those European places next season? Uh, for me, looking through the table from the end of last season, the, the name that stood out for me really was Torino. Um, I say that because at, at the time of recording, they appear to have held on to a lot of their best players. Um, Benassi aside, who's gone to Fiorentina, obviously, but they've still got Belotti and they've still got uh, a few of their other, uh, uh, Lyich as well, and, and some of their players who, who had good seasons last season. Um, Mihailovic has his detractors, but I do think that a club the size of Torino, he's got the mentality to take them forward. He, he does have his, his positive aspects as a, a motivator and, and somebody who can drive the club. Um, so I think Torino could potentially just... They, they finished 12th the season before last, 9th last season. They could maybe push it up another few places and, and maybe get into Europa League. Um, and obviously... They don't have Joe Hart in goal this season, so that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Mihailovic watched Joe Hart in goal today and said good riddance. Yeah, what was it? Four goals he allowed? Jeez. Yep. Yep. Uh, the more he changed, the more the more places he goes to, the the more things stay the same. So, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Salvatore Sirigu is pretty much an improvement by default, then, right, Laura? I would say so. Uh, I could say a lot more about Joe Hart than I'm willing to on a, a public re publicly recorded podcast, but I won't go there. Okay, well then you won't go there. And you know, I, I mean, as of now, uh, the rooster is still there. <laughs> he hasn't, he, you know, he hasn't left. And Urbano Caro seems to be very stubborn about the, you know, what he wants for him. Should he have to sell him? So, uh, of course, we're talking about Andrea Bellotti. So. Uh, you know, who knows? He might be a Torino player um, after this window shuts, and that will put a lot of weight on uh, your prediction of Torino uh, being able to shoot a little further up. Uh, Mark, who who do you think is in position to surprise some people this season? Uh, I think Torino is a really good shout. I mean, considering they conceded 66 goals last season, the, the, they've actually one of the few teams have strengthened where they need to strengthen. Obviously, Sirigu, the keeper, and Kulu they got on loan from Olympic Marseille, big, strong centre-back. Yep. Thomas Rincon from Juventus as well, I think. You know, Benassi going, uh, used that, that, that space in the midfield perfectly. They've got uh, Lianco, another defender centre back from Sao Paulo so yeah to me Torino seem, seemed to be the one the, the standout obvious one from that little cluster of groups in the middle that can really make progression okay uh, Blair are you uh, are you with Laura and Mark here you think Torino make that make that leap this season I'm not as big on Torino as, as Laura and Mark I'm afraid to say I think 
I, I found them, I think with all Mihailovic teams, they can be quite open. And uh, as much as Joe Hart was at fault for a few goals last season, I think there's also some massive structural problems with the way they're set up and, and the way they mark and stuff that I think aren't going to go away unless Mihailovic goes away. Um, you know, that, that they were present at Milan as well when he was there. So, I mean, if we're looking at the, the, the mid-table size from last season, who I think can make a break, I, w- I would personally go for Sampdoria. Um, I'm a little less keen on them since they've sold what seems like their entire uh, sort of crop of young talent. Uh, <laughs> but some of them still remain. I mean, Lucas Torreira is still there. I think he's arguably the best of the lot. Um, he's still there in midfield. They've still got Linetti and Preyer in midfield as well. Um, so I think there's a lot to be, and, and they've added quite well. I think Caprari's a good addition, and Barry as well from Pescara. Yeah, they're a good signings. So I think there's, there's and I think that I think that guy. Excuse me, I think that Gaston Ramirez is actually a, a, a yeah. pretty underrated deal there. Yeah, that's a pretty good. I mean, I think he's similar to Ricky Alvarez in terms of not only what position he fills in this style of play, but also in the sense that he comes from the north of England after a terrible spell there. You know, Ramirez, uh, Alvarez didn't do anything at Sunderland and turned up at Sampdoria and sort of re- rejuvenated his career a little bit. And I think Ramirez similarly didn't really do much at Middlesbrough. And I think he could he could revive his, his career at Sampdoria. He's perfect for Gianpaolo, I mean, in that number 10 that number ten rule. So I think Samp will be, will be the team, if any of those teams are going to make a break, I think Samp are. I was going to try and say Atalanta again, but I don't know if that's against the rules. A little well, bit, a little they, bit. A little bit since they finished fourth. So we expect... Yeah. We're, of course, we're of course it's Syria sit down. We're going to expect more from them. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I I like it. And Giampaolo, obviously, especially second half of the season, Sampdoria were pretty impressive. Uh, mm. Had a nice unbeat run there for a while. Won at the San Siro twice uh, in that run at Inter at Milan. Um, you know, uh, Patrick Schick is still there. Uh, I know that there's been. Flirtations. There was Juventus, and then you know possibly Inter, but uh, he's still there. Uh, they, they've lost a couple of pieces to their attack. Muriel's gone. Bruno Fernandez is gone. But Gianluca Caprari comes over. Um, he wasn't. He was a decent player on an awful Pescara team last season on loan. Uh, so yeah, uh, this the, 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 I, I, I see Sampdoria there definitely. Um, uh, Richard, how about you? You know, I like the moves that. Sassuolo has been making this summer. I mean, last year was obviously a regression from the year before where they made Europa League. I don't think they're quite good enough. Uh, I don't think Christian Buki is going to get them into the Europa League spot by any means. Um, I'm kind of in agreement with Blair here. I think Sampdoria, um, you know, yes, they lost, you know, they potentially could lose Schick. They lost Muriel. But, you know, Caprari is a good pickup. Gaston Ramirez, I remember when he was Southampton. You know, he'd have down year at Middlesbrough, like you were saying. But... Uh, he's a good he's a good player and Nicolo Muru, you know, left back is going to be a good is a good addition. You know, having Bruno Fernandez there, it'll, it'll be his chance to shine in front of all, all in, front, in front of everybody, showing that he's you know he's the number ten that everybody wants him to be. Um, and you know, how do you go wrong with Gianpaolo? He's just uh, I think Sampdoria had some good good results at the end of the season, um, and I think that they're poised to make a Europa League push this year. And I actually think they're going to get it. Okay, you you like you like Sampdoria for the Europa League. Okay, interesting. Uh, these are great shouts, Torino and Sampdoria. Um, I'm gonna, and I like both teams to to possibly make a move up. I'm still a little concerned about Torino defensively. I know that they made some nice additions. Sirigu uh, is definitely going to be better than Hart. I like I like Ancolo being there on on loan. Um, you know, I like what Sampdoria have done to uh, make up for for some of the losses that they have. Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to throw a couple of names at you. Um, I am intrigued by Genoa, um, and, and here's why. Uh, as long as they hang on to Giovanni Simeone, and I, it, I, I think they will. Um, but you got to remember, Mattia Perrin was lost to a bad injury in January and missed the entire second half of the season. And as he yeah. went out, Genoa just self-destructed. And this was at a time they were sitting around eighth. Yeah. Okay, they were they were in the top half. Um, he's back. He hasn't left. Um, you know, the the survival sometimes a, a survival like that. You know, when you when you're just at the doorstep of possibly being dropped, sometimes that can give you some focus on 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 getting the house back in order. But I'm in particular intrigued by the attack combination of Lapadula and uh, Giovanni Simeone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be very interesting. I just think. Lapadula is a, you know, he was a cult figure for Milan last season. We loved him because he just worked his tail side off. But he might be one of these strikers. And Blair, Mark, Laura, you guys have seen this before. It, it doesn't work out at a bigger club. Get him to one of these provincial sides, and he just he tears it up and gets you 15, 16 goals in a season. Marco you know, Borriello. Marco, Marco Borriello being an obvious example because he, he's done it at Genoa. He did it at, he, he did it at Genoa. He did it at Cagliari last season. Had a little bit of a hard time doing it at Milan. So um, I could see that combination keeping Genoa in some matches and getting them some goals and accumulating some points. Do I think that they'll be a European contender? I think that they'll be just short of it. Uh, but I think they might, you know, we're going to talk about Zamzoria. Genoa might deserve some mention. That Derby della Rantana, both those games are going to be a lot, are going to be a fun watch. And don't forget, but, don't forget, they got Bertol uh, Bertolacci also from Milan. Exactly. Bertolacci on loan. Uh, so, you know, I like, you know, I like how they've got this piece together. Um, and, and Bertolacci performed very well for uh, Genoa last time he was there. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're at Torino or Sampdoria level, guys. I'm not that. I'm not that crazy. But I would not. <laughs> I would not rule them out of doing a lot better than they than they than they ended up last season for those reasons. Definitely. So, um, you know, so those are some in, those are some interesting teams. Uh, you know, we should mention. Chievo uh, added Pucciarelli, uh, you know, to the attackers that they have. We got in Inglesi, obviously, you know, finished well down the stretch. Lucas Castro still there. Uh, uh, Richard Carmen's man crush, uh, Sergio Pellissier, <laughs> he's still there. Um, Thank goodness. Yep. Bromance. <laughs> so, um, you know, so Chievo had some nice pieces. I mean, the problem is, is they just, they're not going to be, the, the, the defending with them is so poor. Um, but, you know, they could be a fun watch. And then there's a collection, and I'm just trying to spit, and we're trying to give every team attention here. You know, Luigi Del Nelli did a decent job here with Udinese uh, last season, and he's got a pretty, he's got a nice young young nucleus there. I don't think that they're, you know, a top half team by any stretch, but they're going to they're gonna be a team that's going to be in there, and they're going to bother the big boys, uh, as they always do a few games a season. So, uh, Torino, Sampdoria, with you guys on that. I like Genoa to be a little sneaky as well. Uh, so, um, you know, those are just some teams that, you know, don't be surprised if they pull off some results as you watch, uh, as you watch games this season. Um, so with that in mind, so we've talked about some of the mid to, uh, mid lower table teams. Let's, uh, have a chat about the new boys. Uh, Syria's promoted teams features a side that made it straight back up from relegation the previous season in Hellas Verona and joining them are two teams that have made meteoric rises to Syria in Spal and Benevento. Uh, sometimes Serie A can be a bridge too far for the promoted side. Sometimes they're equipped for survival. And then there's also what Crotone did uh, last season to stay up. And, and Mark, 
with you following body a lot, so you followed you surely you followed a lot of Serie B. This is a perfect one to start with you on. Hellas Verona, Spal, Benevento. Who, who's best equipped to survive the quick drop? From the moves in the market, I'm going to say for Spal, they've managed to get Alex Merritt back on season-long loan from Udinese. Poloski from Atlanta on loan. Um, Grassi, the midfielder from Napoli. They've made some uh, some good moves. Benevento, the only um, signing of real note is Puskas on loan from Inter. Other than that, that's, that's the side that, that won in promotion. Um, don't think they're good enough to stay up. And Verona... Again, only made a couple of additions. Verdi from Roma and Hertu from Udinese. So I think Spal have been really cute in the market. They haven't spent big. They've got some loans. Um, Whether that comes back to bite them next season, we'll have to wait and see. But I think, yeah, out of the three, I think Spal have made, made the right moves. Uh, Felipe coming over from Udinese for very cheap. I mean, uh, you know, not somebody that we rank among the best center backs in the world, but someone with a lot of Serie A experience, especially from his time at Udinese too, um, at 32 years old. He'll he'll lend some experience to a lot of those young players in that dressing room. Yeah, and you've, I mean, Puloski will probably get a uh, benefit from a good run of games as well. He, he hasn't really settled anywhere for a long time, and this is mm-hmm. this is his opportunity to make a little bit of folklore amongst the locals. But yeah, my, my worry, my big worry is Benevento, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it sounds, they're the team that it might be, a, maybe it's a bridge too far unless uh, Blair, do you want to go out on a limb and say Benevento pull a Crotone this season? Or who, who do you like out of the three? I'm with Mark again. I think Spal are the best placed out of the out of the out of the bunch. I can't say I've watched a lot of Serie B, um, so my knowledge of this situation is based entirely on Wikipedia um, and players that I know the names of. I think Poloski is is, is a really good signing. Um, you know, not so long ago people were talking about him sort of being on the fringes of the Italy squad when he was at Chievo, and then he went to Swansea when uh, Francesco Guidolin was there, and it just didn't work out. But I think he's a good. A very good signing, actually, for a newly promoted side. And I also like uh, Federico Viviani quite a lot. Um, and they've got him on loan as well. Viviani's uh, a sort of deep-line playmaker. He used to be at Roma. I think he was at Verona as well for a season. And I've always thought he was sort of too good for Serie B. I don't really know why he spent so much time in Serie B and in the lower, the lower half of Serie A. I think he's a really talented ball player. So I'm going to go with, uh, with Spal on this one. Okay. Richard, I know you are uh, you are praying for a, uh, a a long life of a Verona derby. Are you are you going with Ellis Verona here? <laughs> you know me so well. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like what these guys are saying about Spal and stuff. Yeah. But I'm you know Hellas Verona's last year, the way they played, uh, I like the way I thought that it, it could fit in Serie A. And you know the fact that they kept Marco Fossati, they added Alessio Cerchi, Martin Casares, um, just for just to name a few. Um, I think Verona are, you know, I'm trying to stick with this question because, you know, I want to I elaborate on this, but I won't. Um, I think Hellas Verona's of the three are best suited to stay in Syria, and, and I think they're going to be there comfortably in Syria for next season. I'm with you. I think that they've got the experience, um, you know, on their, you know, on their side working for them here. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, they've got Pazzini for the goals. If, 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 
Alessio Cerci can behave himself, he can be a useful player for them. Hopefully they've got the Torino Cerci and not the Milan or Atletico Madrid Cerci. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so uh, I, I certainly agree with you on the uh, on the Hellas Verona side. To me, I think that they're the team that's best equipped, uh, you know, for survival. But uh, let's ask Laura. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm very much in agreement with everybody else as far as uh, Benevento is concerned. You're talking about a team who finished fifth in the table last season and, and relied on a, a playoff uh to get promoted, which means there's two other teams who, in one case, uh, performed significantly better than them over the course of the season, um, who aren't going to be in Serie A maybe at, at the expense of them. So I, I think, it, as I think Frank said before, I think it'll be a bridge too far for them. I think they'll go straight back down. Um, of the other two... Spal, although they won the title, they didn't by any means run away with it. And I don't think, I, I'm, I'm with Richard in the fact that I don't think you can write off experience. And I think Verona as a club and with the staff and players that they've got will have people around the club who've had experience of Serie A before. They've got some experienced players like Pazzini. Um, they, they'll be able to, I think, put enough together to, to potentially stay up. Um, so out of the three of them, I would go for Verona. Okay. Um, so it's either Verona or Spal. We're all in agreement that uh, Benevento are going to be looking up from the foot of the table uh, all season long. Uh, as is the case with the start of every season, the first match week will be a league debut for managers in the hot seats of the respective clubs. We've talked about a couple of them already. Uh, and a bit of a carousel was had in the summer. Luciano Spalletti left Roma uh, for Inter. Uh, Eusebio Di Francesco took Spalletti's Roma job, leaving Sassuolo. And Stefano Pioli is the new man at Fiorentina after being sacked at Inter uh, before the last season. Uh, it was uh, Christian Bucchi, as Richard mentioned earlier, uh, taking the reins at Sassuolo. Uh, following one season at Serie B side Perugia. Uh, of these four, Blair, we'll start with you. Who's uh, set up for the most success in season one? I'm going to go with Spalletti, I think. he's. Um, I mean, he's the coach that I think, uh, out of these four, he's the, the coach I rate highest by, by quite you know, quite a lot. I think he's, he's a level or two above De Francesco and Pioli. Um, and I think also the players he's got to work with are, are really, really good and to have actually got a pretty decent squad when you look at it on paper. And I think he will get more out of it than, than Pioli and De Boer and Mancini did. So I think for the first time in, in a good few years, maybe even since the, since Mourinho and then Mancini in his first spell, I think Inter will have the best manager since that, that time period. And I think uh, with the signings they've made as well, I think Skriniar... Is, is a good Serie A centre-back and he's still young. Dalbert's a really good attacking left-back. Um, you know, they've still got Cardi. I think Valero is a massive addition for them as well. You know, he's a sort of link man, an intelligent midfield player they haven't had for, for, for a few years. I think they wanted Benega to be that, but he never was. So I think, um, I think Spalletti's the one that's, that's sort of best set up for success here. Okay. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think that Inter are going to be they've they moved up at least a couple places from that seven place finish just because it's Paletti and probably can do a little more damage. Uh, yeah. Richard, what do you think? I mean, let me preface this saying that I think all four are going to have fairly successful seasons compared to the last. Um, Christian Buki, I think, will do wonders at Sassuolo and they'll do incredibly better than they did last year. Um, Pioli and Di Francesco, um, they're both going to improve on their squads. I think Fiorentina are going to do much, are going to do better this season under, under Pioli. You know, I think he was he was held or handed a, a a random deck of cards that he wasn't sure how to handle with, and maybe it was too much pressure at Inter. 
um, for him to handle. So, but I think Fiorentina is a, a good place for him, and I think he will do well there. Di Francesco has a good team in front of him, um, but I think Spalletti has the most talent around him. I mean, Spalletti is a fantastic manager, just like you know, just like Blair said, and he's walking to a team with a, a, an immense amount of talent. They just didn't have a, a manager who could you know, handle all those egos, especially the likes of Mauro Riccardi. But I think uh, with the addition of Spalletti, he's going to be able to right the ship for them and, and look for uh, the team to be very, very much in the, in the race, not only for the Champions League, but even for the, for the league title. Because I, I think Spalletti is that good of a manager, especially with the talent that they have. I mean, people are, are writing, we're writing Inter off, but they have talent, you know, from front to back. So they're a team that everyone should be worried about. Yeah, they have the occasional off game, but the talent that they have is ridiculous. So I think Spalletti and Inter are going to do the are be the most successful of the four. Uh, he uh, he's already had a profound impact on Jeffrey Condogbia's ability to score goals, hasn't he? He looks like a good <laughs> wait, player. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, that's the goal of the preseason. Yeah, that was the goal of the preseason. Small problem. Small <laughs> team. Yep. Wrong t- wrong, wrong way, Jeffrey. <laughs> um, uh, L- L- Laura, are you with us here on Spalletti or are you, uh, you going to go a different direction here? Uh, well, when I was thinking about the question, one thing that did spring to my mind was the fact that um, the clubs you're talking about, these people taking over, have very different measures of what success is. And so... I've spoken earlier about De Francesco and how I think he'll struggle at Roma because of the size of the club and because of the expectations of the club. That's not that he's not a good manager, but just that he might struggle with the expectations of being at a club that should be pushing for the Scudetto. Um, Spalletti, similarly, excellent manager, I'm sure will improve for Inter on what they did last season, but whether you'll be able to call that a success for a club that only a few years ago was challenging and winning Champions Leagues is um is another another matter, so it might not go down as success. Um but for me the the person I would go with is um Christian uh Buki because nice. uh he yeah. had such a strong season at Perugia last season. They were one of the two that I mentioned uh didn't make it into the Serie A despite having finished so high up in the table last season. Um, and given the limited resources at Perugia, I think he performed minor miracles there. Um, I think uh, Richard mentioned earlier on that Sassuolo have made some good moves in the transfer market over the summer, um, and despite having a relatively poor uh, season last season compared to their earlier exploits, um, I think he could maybe pick up the reins and just reinvigorate that team and maybe help them push on that slight bit further. So for me, I'll go with Bucci. Okay, okay, I, and, and and I agree there. And you know, now that Sassuolo, look, like I said earlier, now that Sassuolo look like they're going to hang on to some, uh, you know, some key players in their team, he is definitely set up uh, for Sassuolo to make a nice improvement. Um, uh, Mark, uh, I think we've all thought we all think that. Di Francesco's in for a little bit of a struggle at Roma. Um, there's only Chris, there's only Stefano Pioli left. Are you are you running with that, or are you going somewhere else? <laughs> I'm certainly not running with that. I think Pioli again is <laughs> to coin a phrase, has jumped out of the frying pan into the fryer with Fiorentina. Yep. Yeah. The club's up for sale. You know, two of their best players have gone, um, especially Valero. You know, if Kalinic goes. Uh, that's a, that's a big thing. I'm with 
Laura on Christian Buki. Uh, obviously seeing a lot of Perugia last year and he had them um, solid defensively. I think they could see less than 20 goals all season. And if he can get that defensive stability to Sassuolo with some of the attacking players they've got, I think it, if, like you say, if you're measuring terms of success, then he's he's the man. And mm-hmm. I said, Perugia did play some good football as well. And considering where he took them from where they were the previous season, you know, that was remarkable. So, yeah, I'm going with Mr. Bucci. Okay. Okay. So we're either we're, we're there, we're either at, uh, some of us are saying Spalletti, the other is saying Bucci. Um, See now, you guys are saying that there's high expectations for Spalletti. That's where I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit, Laura. This is Inter, so all Spalletti <laughs> has to do is manage a full season. Okay, that's all he has to do. It's like on the level of Palermo now. If you can just manage it for well, a, yeah, there's been, a success. Well, there's been ten. There's been ten managers since Mourinho uh, won the treble in 2010. Ten managers in seven seasons. So it's uh yeah so he, he he just gets through a full season and he's 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 achieved a lot of success there <laughs> so yeah let's speak about the other uh the, the managers that might be a little bit a bit of a trouble and what's the only thing that stinks about the 2017-18 season guys is that we can't just put our money on uh palermo's manager to be the first one to get sacked <laughs> oh, come on that was a banker just about every season. Actually, it wasn't a banker last season. Uh, Yakini was sacked from Udinese. He was the first one to go. It was actually surprising to me that Zamp showed some restraint. Uh, and I think the Zerbi was maybe even the third. Did DeBoer yeah, go? DeBoer was second, I think. He did. Yeah, he did. So so let's talk sack race. Um, and uh, Richard, we'll start with you. Give me the manager that you think is in the most trouble and uh, could uh, uh, could be in the unemployment line first. Ooh. Oh, man. Um. I'm going to lean two ways. One manager, I know the name. One manager, I really don't care about. So I'm not going to, not enough to know the name. <laughs> First, I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a limb and say actually Torino and Sinisem Mahalovic. Okay. That's a mouthful. Um, I like their team, but I just, I think they're going to have a regression this year. And with the likes, you know, Cairo keeping Belotti, he's putting a lot of you know, trust that they're going to do better this year. I don't think he's going to live up to those expectations. So I think he could go, but I think the guy who's actually going to go first is uh, the manager from Cagliari. Uh, I don't like what they did last year, and they they got rid of the guys who were the troublemakers last year for them in the, in the back line. But I think they're not they're they're going to struggle, and I think they're going to lose their manager, Massimo Rostelli. That's um, him. That's him. Yeah. And I will I am I I will uh, take my spot right now and say I am with you on that. I think he will be the first to go. Uh, you know, I- impressive enough that they finished 12th conceding 76 goals. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they, you know, and that, you know, you have a guy like Bruno Alves who you you would think a guy like that on your back line, uh, you wouldn't be running into those, you wouldn't be running into those problems. Now, granted, defensively, they were a little better in the second half of the season. Uh, but, you know, Muru's gone. Uh, Isla's gone. That, that whole back, they're, they're, they're patching it up. They're starting over again. Um, you know, a few departures, it's, you know, a, a big reliance on Marco Barriello and, uh, Diego Farias and, uh, you know, some of the players that came good for them here, uh, down the stretch of the second half of the season last season to, uh, to kind of continue that magic. So I'm, I'm in Richard's camp on this one. I, I think Mustelli is the first to get the sack, um, you know, out of this group. Uh, Laura, who do you think is the first manager to go? Uh, I think for me, Udinese look like they might uh, retain that particular cr- crown and their manager might go first. So for me, it's Luigi Del Neri. Um, mm. 
having lost Sam Perini and being a trigger happy uh, owner at Palermo, um, there is one that remains, and that's uh, Gianpaolo Pozzo at Udinese. Yeah. They've had six managers since 2014, and uh, for a club that has traditionally and I say traditionally meaning the last couple of decades been around the European places they haven't done so well recently we're talking about a, a team that placed third and was in the Champions League in 2012 and yet have remained or, or struggled to remain in the division two out of the last three years I think um, any sign of a struggle or a poor start from Del Neri and he could quite easily be the first to go okay do they still have Zapata, or did he go back to Napoli, or what? What's Zapata? What's the story on him? Uh, I don't not think sure. he went back to Napoli. He's, he's I don't think Napoli, he went back. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did thought. Okay, yeah. So that could aid. That could aid in the, right there. You know, it's a big, good player. Mm. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Mark, what do you think? I'm going for Donadoni at Bologna. Oh. Disastrous preseason. Already out of the Coppa Italia after three 0 loss to Cittadella. <laughs> I think the form towards the end of last year was pretty disastrous, and yeah, I think he's going to be the first to go. Okay, okay. Uh, it says that he can't. You know, you think he should be a better manager than he. I mean, all the stops that he's had on. Yeah. I mean, the, the run that he had at Parma. Yeah, it's just it's it's. He's going to be one of these that is going to just. Travel from job to job. He's going to be the next. You know, he's he's. There's promise to him, and he's obviously was a great player in his day. But as a manager, he's he's going to be along the lines of Cersei Cosme, um, and 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 Yakini. Um, so it's just uh, you know it is you know just it's it's unfortunate because I, I loved him as a player. Uh, you know, uh, Blair, are you in agreement on any of those three, or are you going a different direction? Donna Donny was was one of the ones that came to my mind as well. This purely because. They seem to have, I mean, he had a, a really good first six months there, didn't he? Um, I remember they sort of derailed Napoli's title bid in 2015-16. Um, but since then, they've just gone downhill. And at last season, they finished 15th. Can't really see them finishing much higher this season. Um, so, yeah, I think that he, he, he's a contender. I'm also going to throw out Stefano Pioli. Um, I, I sort of don't want to because I, <laughs> I feel it's sort of not, not very nice for him to potentially be sacked again. Yeah. But, uh, I just I think the Fiorentina setup is really bad, as Mark highlighted. It doesn't it doesn't really look good. Um, they've lost a lot of talent: Bernadeschi, Valero, Vecino, Gonzalo Rodriguez, Kalinic might leave. I mean that is that is a lot of talent to leave, and the players they brought in. Uh, I mean Benassi aside. I don't know a lot of those players, so I can't really judge, I guess. But looking at their track records, I can't see them improving that team. So it's mm-hmm. uh, a lack of investment. A lot of fans are re- already upset with the with, with where the team's at. Um, I, I just I think they'll I think they'll be even worse this season than they were last season. I can see Fiorentina even maybe slipping into the bottom half of the table. So I'm going to go uh, purely slash Donadoni. Mm-hmm. I I it. Uh... None of those are out of the question. So Pioli out of the uh, teams that finished in the top half, and then we're talking about Mastelli from Cagliari, we're talking about Del Neri from Udinese, we're talking about Donadoni uh, from Bologna. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. We might get one that just comes out of nowhere. Uh, you, you, you never know. Um, moving on, Serie A last season proved that it could be a young player's league. Uh, Andrea Bellotti exploding onto the scene with his goal-scoring talent for Torino. Patrick Schick showing his promise at Sampdoria, and of course Gianluigi Donnarumma uh, showing his talents as Italy's next world-class goalkeeper. 
Uh, our panelists know a thing or two about the up-and-coming young players on the peninsula, so let's have them each give us a player that we will hear more and more about this season, starting with Laura. Uh, I think for me, it's a, a personal favourite that I'm going to go for, um, and somebody who I was uh, strongly praising last season and singing the praises of if anybody was paying attention to my Twitter. Um, <laughs> Federico Chiesa is yes, just, yes. to me... It's just everything that a young footballer should be about. He plays with excitement. He plays with that uh, that kind of verve that you see all of us play football with in our spare time. Um, not that I'm comparing myself in any way ability wise to him, but um, I think he uh, I think he certainly he's just going to go from strength to strength. I feel, and in terms of age wise, he's, he's still only 19. He's still got a long way to go. And yet he seems like such an established player already. Um, so he'd certainly be my, my pick for um, going forward. Uh, somebody who I think is just going to get stronger and stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, had some, had some nice performances, uh, uh, here down the stretch with Fiorentina last season. And with the departures that Blair alluded to, boy, they're going to need him. Uh, so yeah, there's, that's a great shout for someone that's going to jump on the scene. Uh, Mark, give us a young player that, uh, we're going to be very familiar with, uh, as the season goes on. I'm going to go with Ricardo Orsolini, who's yes. gone on, mm-hmm. gone on, gone on a two year loan to Atlanta, um, was signed by Juventus from Ascoli during the, towards the end of last season. And then obviously they've shipped him out. I think that's a, an astute move by Atlanta as well, considering, Excuse me, uh, with the uh, Europa League games as well, and trying to maintain a decent Serie A position. A typical, he can play numerous positions, either flank through the middle, but he's he's got pace, he's got technical ability. Yeah, he's still raw. Obviously, he's only twenty years old, but I think the young lad has a really bright future ahead of him. So, yes, Ricardo Orsolini for me. Okay, great shout. Uh, had himself a nice uh, uh, under-20 World Cup as well uh, in the summer uh, for Italy uh, on their way to a third-place finish. Uh, yeah, Blair, what? Sorry. No, I think he scored all the first three goals for Italy in the in the tournament. He was, yes. yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, really yeah, he stand was. out. Yeah. He was. Let's see if he translates that playing with the big boys now. Uh, Blair, what do you say about this? Um, well, uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to throw out a player that I've never actually seen play. So I can't tell you why he's going to be good, but I, I've got a guess that he will be. Uh, Gianluca Gaudino. Um, he was someone who, I remember was uh, was mentioned a lot while Pep Guardiola was at Bayern Munich because he was he was at Bayern Munich um, while Pep Guardiola was there in the early days and he was seen as sort of Guardiola's next big, big project for a short time period. He then um, he didn't quite fulfil his potential. He ended up, I think, going to Switzerland. And uh, I think Frank, you mentioned him on your last blog, uh, if I'm right. I uh, I think I did. I said when I was when I was uh, rating Kievo. When I was doing my last round of predictions on the Calcio Consultant, I had said uh, keep an eye out on Gianluca Gaudino uh, arriving from uh, Bayern Munich's youth setup. So. Yeah, I mean, so he's just he's a he's a high caliber player for Cable to sign, isn't he? I mean, I, I never imagined um, a, a former Bayern Munich prospect 
joining Cable. It doesn't it doesn't sound right. But the, the one thing that's good is is Maran likes midfielders. He plays a midfield diamond most of the time, if not all the time. So there's going to be you'd think opportunities there um, for Gaudino to show what he can do, and, and it would be nice. Um, if it worked out, it would be a, a real bargain as well because he's uh, he only joined for forty five thousand pounds, so it could be a potential bargain for Cable. Could end up could end up being a, a really nice bargain. Absolutely, I uh, I like that shout a lot. Uh, uh, Richard, uh, some pretty impressive names so far. Who are you going with? Um, well, I know Patrick Catrone is going to have a decent season, especially you know right now with the striker situation. You know, if, if Baca is on the way out, you know you just have Andre Silva in front of you, so he's going to get the playing time. And what from what he showed in the Primavera, he's a very lethal striker. But to, to keep my favoritism away, you know, Milan side, actually Amadou Diawara from Napoli, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. Now, now Serie A fans knew knew of his name just because you know he plays on Napoli, but I don't think the world knows who he is. And I think he is his 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 intelligence, his game is far above his what 19 years of age, 20 years of age. Uh, I think that he's going to get more consistent playing time and truly show the world that people are going to start coming for him next season uh, just by watching this guy. Because I thought I watched him last year, him and Zelensky, who are two of my favorite uh, players outside of Milan. Um, they did fantastic. And I think Diawara is just poised to have a fantastic career. Okay, I like that. I'm going to go with a name that might be obvious to all of us, but it's not going to be obvious to the casual Serie A fan or somebody that's just getting into Serie A or the casual you know, football fan in general. And it is a, it is a bias. I'm sorry. But I'm going with Frank Kessie. Um yeah, he exploded onto the scene in Syria, but he did it at Atalanta. But now he's going to be on the big stage at Milan. And I think he's already shown, and, and preseason doesn't mean much, but. He was their uh, best player. Yeah, he, but he was their best player in preseason. This guy's going to cover nine to 10 miles of ground per game. Um, you know, just, you know, from the position that, that he plays and what's going to be demanded of him. Uh, but he can score goals. He can, he, he, he does so much. Um, and uh, I think he, I, I think for me, he's the young player that's going to, you know, make that leap. I don't want to go that far to say world class, but he's going to show why here in the next season, why there were Premier League teams that were interested in him, why, you know, Juventus was linked to him, while some of these other, you know, Serie A clubs were, uh, you know, linked to getting him out of um, Atalanta. Uh, so only 20 years old, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, Love watching him play. I, 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 another player, if I want to get away from my Milan bias, is uh, is is the table ready for Daniele Rugani of Juventus? Yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. think so. I mean, somebody's going to have to step up, and Allegri is going to get to a point where he's going to get frustrated with Farzali. Uh, probably going to, you know, Benatti is serviceable, but I think there's an opportunity here for Daniele Rugani as well. And uh, I think that those are going to be a couple of names. Um, that you know obvious to the five of us maybe not so obvious to uh you know to the more casual fans uh so score the goals get the glory and last season's capocannonieri race was one of the more memorable ones aiden jekyll fighting off a handful of players that all demonstrated world-class finishing including Greece mertens moro icardi and gonzalo Higuain. andrea Bellotti was in the mix tiro immobile uh was in the running for lazio so let's ask the question mark uh who do you tip for the capocannonieri this season this season, I'm going for Mario Cardi. I think, obviously, we've mentioned about the the problems that Jekyll might face, and I don't think Higuain will. As we discussed, there's something not quite quite right with Juventus, but I think 
with, with the moves they've made and the possibility, obviously Valero's already arrived, the possibility of Schick arriving. I think Acardi will have, obviously, um, more routes f- for goals. And to me, he's one of the most natural goal scorers in Serie A. So, love him or loathe him, you have to give him credit. He knows where the goal is. So, I'm tipping him to have a 20-goal season this season. Mm. I, I, uh, I'm I, going to step in and, 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 and agree with you here, Mark. I think it's Mauro Icardi for the Capocanagnani this season. I just think the dynamic that Spalletti brings and the, and the style that he brings, you have Ivan Peretic still there. You have Kandreva still there. The ser- he's going to get the service. Dalbert coming forward. Um, there's he's Maybe he doesn't have the aerial prowess that Aiden Jekyll has, but he's going to have the opportunities and he's going to have the service and he's going to be played in a lot. And I think that uh, uh, I, I, I love the call on Mauro Icardi and I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I don't like him as a person, um, but uh, no, I think it's not, that... it's not everybody's <laughs> cup of tea, not even no. the, in, the in fans. He's not anybody's, inter- he's not anybody's cup of tea. <laughs> Puff Walters. He's a, he's a terrible person, but he's going to lead Serie A in goals this season, in my opinion. So yeah. uh, Blair, Blair, who do you like for the Capocan and Yeti this season? Uh, I'm going to be not controversial and agree with you guys again. I think Icardi's the man. Um, looking at the, what Spalletti did with, with the Dzeko, I think is is really my reasoning behind this because it's worth pointing out that a year, you know, this time last season, if you'd said Dzeko was going to be Capricorn in year, you'd have been laughed out of the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was. You couldn't hit a cow's ass with a barn door. To, he's a, <laughs> A nice British trope. Um, you know what I mean? So for, for Spalletti to, to get him to score 29 goals, and, and Spalletti did play a role in that. You know, he put an arm around the shoulder and really, really persisted with Jekyll when nobody else wanted to um, and, and, and gone to score a lot of goals. So I think he'll do a good job with Icardi as well. All right. Uh, so that's three for Icardi. Richard, you uh, you following along or are you going somewhere else? Uh, you know, of the of the... Of the five who were in the top, you know, the top five guys from last season, Mertens is the is on the on the team that has the the best chance of goals being scored. But because of that, I think the goals are going to be shared more with Napoli, and I think his goal output is going to be just a little bit less than last year. I don't think Galabalotti is going to be able to. Well, he's going to be close to what he did last year, but I don't, he's not going to he's not going to win it for me. Um, Jacko's going to hurt without Salah. I'm going to be in agreement with you guys. You hit, you guys said everything. It's it's Icardi with the talent that he, that he has around him and Spalletti. I mean, look what he did. Like you know, just like Blair said, what he did with uh, Jacko last season. He'll he'll find the what the right guys to to put in the right spots to feed Icardi. Icardi is a goal scoring machine. Um, you know, on a side note, I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, Icardi was actually recently recalled or called up to the Argentina squad, and Wanda was actually filming her. You know, her son, you know, Icardi's stepson. His reaction was it was just magic. As much as you can hate Icardi, that was a that was an awesome moment uh, to mm-hmm. see that to see his stepson running down the street screaming and so happy. Uh, but yeah, you know, because of Spalletti, because of what Inter has, I think also Mario Icardi. Okay, Laura, are you going to make this unanimous? Uh, I'm not. I'm going to be slightly controversial, yes. although not as controversial as as I might have been. I, I, I was wave. <laughs> I was wavering earlier on, and I was. I was sort of thinking, you know, if Milik can get back to full fitness, if he can really find his feet, Willie. Um, 
will he make it there? But I think that's a stretch too far for him. Uh, so I'm going to go for his teammate. I'm going to go for Dries Mertens, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think as much as uh, what Richard says about Napoli sharing the goals, I think as a team they have so much attacking prowess that he's going to score goals himself no matter how many other players get involved in the scoring as well. And, yeah, and so yeah. I don't see... I don't see Iguain going as far um, with the goal scoring this season with Juventus being a little bit weaker. I think the point made earlier about Dzeko maybe not scoring as much without Salah at Roma. So I think Dries Mertens is best positioned to maybe step up and take take the title himself. Okay. we Most of us on Icardi, we've got one for Mertens and... Uh... You know, great shouts, but uh, with the the, the quality of uh, strikers, we're in for another. We're we're going to be in for another great season for goals, uh, you know, and for goal scoring. So um, let's uh, let's get to some predictions now. Let's put now let's really put everybody on the spot. Uh, and remember, you're being recorded. We're going to come back to this at the end of the season. All right. So I hope you guys really did. <laughs> we're not going to come back to this. We're going to get to the end of the season, and we're going to be like, "Gosh, I'm burned out." I'm going to do a podcast. For, <laughs> I'm going to have to do another podcast for another three months. Uh, but anyway, no. Uh, so uh, you're on the spot, guys. Uh, I want your Scudetto winner, uh, your top four, and uh, your who you think will uh, be dropped. Blair, we're going to start with you. I'm going to say Napoli to win the title. Um, wow. I think this is the year that they they do it. Um, they've kept all their star players, which I think is the key concern. And all, everybody else around them is changing things. You are changing things for no reason. So I think Napoli are going to step up and, and win and win the Scudetto this season. Um, do you want me to do top four? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, top four, I'm going to go Napoli. I think the Juventus will still be up there. Um, so I'll have them in second. I think AC Milan... We'll put in a challenge as the season goes on, especially if they sign a new striker, um, another new striker. I think they can really push. And then Inter Milan, I'm going to have in fourth. Um, and as for the bottom three, I'm going to go Crotone, Benevento and Verona. Okay, Crotone, Benevento. So you think Benevento finish above Ellis, Ellis Verona? Or you get Verona above Benevento? Oh, no, no, that was not not in order. Um, it doesn't probably, matter. They're all going down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to make the point that I do think Benevento are going to finish bottom. Uh, I think rock bottom. Okay, okay. Uh, I was just listening to say, wow, that would be, it would be a story if Benevento finished nineteenth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. A miracle. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Richard, you're up next, and you're on the spot. I think you said earlier in the season you're you're calling Napoli. Are you sticking with it as we've uh, gone on here in this uh, in this recording? Yeah, I'm actually quite confident. I think Na- I think Napoli is going to win it this year. Um, my top four in order: Napoli one, Juventus two, Milan three, Inter four, Roma five. Uh, sorry, top five. Um, that was, you know, that's pretty obvious. The bottom, bottom three, you know, I think here's where the love story from last year is going to not, not continue. Crotone are going to go down this season. Uh, Spall and my money for my money are going down. And the third team that going down is Cagliari. You think you you oh God you are a hopeless romantic. Benevento you, finishes. You did this 16th. with Tony all last season, <laughs> and now you're going to pull for Benevento to stay up. Absolutely, I pulled for the last year. Only from you're going to buy. You're going to exchange your Crotone jersey for a Benevento jersey after the season, aren't you? <laughs> I may, I may. We'll see how the season goes. Glory, Hannah. Right. <laughs> wow, Laura, Laura, bring some sanity to this. 
Well, <laughs> I'll bring some sanity to it and I'll say Pioli will pull out the bag and Fiorentina will win the Scudetto. No. <laughs> I'm writing no. that down. You can't change that. <laughs> no, I'm going um, Juventus to retain for a seventh year, I think. Um, Napoli second. I'm going to go Milan third. And I think I'm actually going to go Lazio fourth. I think... Ooh. I think Inzaghi's got the potential to take them onto that next step. I know they've not maybe been as as strong in the transfer market as some other teams, but I, th- I really do think they they did well last season, and it wouldn't take much more for them, I don't think, to to push up to fourth from a fifth place finish last season. Having said that, I think Inter will be hot on their heels to to for that fourth spot as well. Um, but that's my top four. As far as bottom goes, uh, I'm not going to uh, buck the trend. I'm going to say Benevento are going to be bottom. I think uh, that Genoa really are going to struggle. I think they could end up... Uh, uh, sorry to say it, Frank, but I don't hold out as much hope for them going forward as you do. I think they might uh, struggle. Um, so I'm going to go for them 19th and 18th. I think I think Crotone's, uh steam will run out, and I think they'll they'll go down after um, a season of glorious failure. <laughs> blame blame my blame my affection for Genoa on on Galliani's uh, habit of uh, dipping into the Genoa pool all the years when uh, Berlusconi didn't have any money. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just kind of that, uh, just kind of a, a forced affliction, I guess, or or whatever you want to call it. So, <laughs> all right, Mark, uh, you're on the spot here. Who's your uh, Who's your Scudetto winner, top four and bottom three? Well, I've gone exactly the same as Blair. My Scudetto winner is Napoli. I think Juve will come second. They're weakened, but not enough to fall out of the top two. I've gone Milan third and into fourth for the Spalletti factor. And my bottom three... I have in 20th place Benevento, in 19th I've gone for Cagliari, and 18th I'm going for Bologna. Ooh. Ooh. You're the other you want to you want to keep Crotone up, huh? I think Crotone have done all right. I mean, yeah, they've moved in on loans again. They've got Trotter in from Sassuolo yeah, and uh, Ferrone's in from Udinese and. Is he from here as well from uh, Sampdoria? He was the top scorer in Serie B. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm going with the Catroni great dream still, but I think yeah, if, uh, going on Benevento a hopeless task there this year's <laughs> Pescara, I think, and then just the way things decided to go last year with Cagliari and Bologna, I think Verona have got more than enough to stay up. And uh, obviously, I've already gave my thoughts on Spal. So, yep. Donadoni sacked first in Bologna to be relegated. So, I'll expect to be spammed by Bologna fans on Twitter tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I think it says a lot about the positivity that we all have at the start of a season that any of, that we all reacted surprised when Mark said Bologna. I mean, <laughs> they could quite easily get relegated, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, they could finish in the top six. <laughs> 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 okay, so then uh, I'll finish it off. I just have a hard time messing with a streak. You know, when Juventus has been at the top for so long, um, I need to see them get knocked off before I can, you know, make that leap. So I, I'm with Laura. I think Juve are going to just uh, make it seven in a row. And I mean just. 
uh, I think Napoli are going to push them to the end. Uh, so, so it's Juve, Napoli second for me, um, Milan third, and I'm going to say I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say Roma's fourth. I think there's still, you know, enough there. I think that Inter, you know, they've done some decent things here, but you know, another team that I think Spalletti's going to going to establish that stability as the season goes on and might lose some points as a result. And I think that Roma still have enough. I mean, you've got the, you've got some players like that also still there nine galons still there you know uh, i i just i'm 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 being a little more stubborn about roma than you guys are i think that they'll fall but not that far uh and i think that they'll sneak and they'll get that fourth spot um 18th i've got crotone i think they go down uh i think spall go down and i think benevento go down uh i won't uh heartbreaker yeah i'm sorry mark (laughs) Uh, i won't um I won't deviate from from that. Uh, you know, those have been those have been my three for the drop since. Uh, um, uh, those have been the those have been my three for the drop. Uh, you know, probably since uh, you know since I had my first release of predictions, and they'll they'll be in my blog this week as uh, as my three that'll see the drop. So um, very interesting. Uh, you know, so we're all uh, you know Inter or Roma for fourth. Laura's actually going for Lazio, and then our top three are all pretty much the same. Just uh, a flip flop of first and second between Napoli and Juventus. So uh, go to at Syria sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Give us your top four. Give us your bottom three. Uh, Richard, you got a bonus question for everybody? Yeah, it's a simple yes or no question for everybody. All right. Um, is this the year that Juventus finally lose a home match? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Laura? I'll go no. <laughs> ah, Frank? <laughs> uh, yes, they'll, they'll lose a home match. I, Only because of the J. <laughs> I, I, I think that, I think they're actually going to lose this this uh, this season too. I just can't see them continue on that great form that they had in the past. Yeah, it's such a hard. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, obviously Juventus fans won't count it because it's a different stadium name. So that'll still be they'll still claim as a, a two year win streak at home. <laughs> sure, sure. No, Mark. No, Mark. Behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, 33, 35, you know, what's this to say? <laughs> oh, Better end that bit out. <laughs> yeah, Mark, yeah, I'll um, yeah, log you know. off Twitter for the next few days. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Bologna I'm, and Juventus fans after you. Juventus <laughs> fans there, Mark. I think so. Speaking of Twitter and the social media, uh, let's uh, let's uh, put a bow on this edition of Serie A sit-down. Uh Let's uh, hear from our guests and hear what they're up to and uh, give them a chance to uh, do a quick plug of their work. Laura, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, you can catch me on Twitter at Elbrad88. And uh, after a summer off, I'll be returning to writing for The Gentleman Ultra. And um, uh, you can catch my personal blog on thecounterpress.wordpress.com. Excellent stuff. Uh, any anything in particular uh, that you're going to be uh, focusing on, or you got a piece in the works that um, you can give us a sneak peek at, or are you going to get some uh, um, let some storylines develop and jump on those? Currently working on a piece uh, about my own uh, team that I follow in Scotland, Celtic. Um, we've got a new homegrown hero there, so I'm writing a piece about the history of homegrown heroes within the club. <laughs> and the current new addition to the crop. So that should be up on the blog within the next couple of weeks. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, we'll look forward to reading that. Uh, Mark, your turn. Uh, give, us, uh, give us a plug of what you're up to and what, uh, 
what uh, our listeners can look forward to reading from you. Yep, my Twitter handle is at Neil Mark. Um, I should same as Laura. After a bit of a break, we've turned to the gentleman altar, and I'm also got a piece coming out on breaking the lines, uh, scouting report, and uh, on the breakout season of Milinkovic Savage for Lazio last year. That's in the pipeline. I think that's all dropping tomorrow. There's the top fifty. So, and obviously. Keep up to date on the humdrum stuff with Bari and Serie B at Sempre Bari on Twitter as well. Excellent, excellent stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm looking, I, I'm looking forward to your read on Milinkovic Savic. Definitely, he was a breakup player last season. Uh, and then Blair, uh, uh, where can they find you on Twitter? And uh, what do you got in the works? So on Twitter, I'm at the Blair Newman, and um, I'm writing for Football Whispers these days. So if you want to see my work you can go on there and, and you'll be able to catch all my latest posts on there and um, I'm also working as, as managing editor with Luca Hodges Ramon over at the Gentleman Ultra so um, looking forward to welcoming Mark and, and Laura back and, and publishing some more great work on, on the site Alright, alright, go to the and that's thegentlemanultra.com a lot of, uh, a lot of great content uh, a lot of great content there and, and the three of you, we, uh, it's been our privilege to have you guys uh, uh, really uh, put a pri- get a primer on this uh, upcoming season. Yeah, so, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you all it's for joining us. absolute pleasure. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having us. And Richard, uh, a plug, any uh, any blogging you're going to do or where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, I've been busy these days. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Carmen. Um, I'm also doing a Schalke podcast. So if you got Bundesliga fans, I got a little podcast just for Schalke devoted there. Um, I actually started writing for SB Nation uh, for Milan there. Uh, so you can follow, you know, articles there at, at Devil Wears Rossonero. And then lastly, but not certainly not least, uh, for WFI, we're in, uh, writing articles, and I got a bunch of uh, scouting reports coming up for uh, several teams in Syria. So stay tuned, looking for that. Schalke podcast, that undying affection you have for Klassian Huntala, right? That's right, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so, excellent. Uh, well, you can find me at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, it's a lot of Milan stuff, so <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of I don't I don't have a whole lot of profound things to say on that. But my blog, the Calcio Consultant, uh, on WorldFootballIndex.com, uh, that will be back up on a weekly basis, starting with my final uh, predictions for the Serie A season, which will be released this week. Uh, and uh, I hope to put out a weekly blog uh, as I can keep up. Uh, so do uh, check that out as well. Uh, Syria, at Syria Sit Down on Twitter, uh, and that is the same handle for Instagram. You can check us out there. Um, we do uh, appreciate uh, you taking the time to listen to us. We hope we have gotten you uh, as ready as possible for this Syria season. Uh, it's going to be an exciting one. Um, a lot of great players, uh, a lot of great teams, hopefully even more goals than last season. Uh, we look forward to talking about it as the season goes on, but until uh, our next podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to us. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. <laughs>